Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. Okay, I've got a good joke to start off with. A friend of ours, I'm going to mention him by name, Giuseppe. He went to a, a special golf day and he got there and it was at a fancy golf club and everyone was ready and he was so excited. But as he's about to tee off on the first tee, he sees a sign and it says the dress code for the, for the golf course and he's horrified because it says you must have a collared shirt and a long sleeve shirt and he's got a jumper on but he's got a t-shirt underneath and it says you must wear a belt and you're not allowed to wear white socks and he's like oh no I've got a t-shirt no belt white socks what am I going to do anyway so he gets up to the first tee to to hit the golf ball and he just says if I just hide my neck like this they won't see I don't have a collar on and if I just make my arms short, then they won't see that I don't have a long sleeve shirt. And if I just tuck my tummy in, they won't see I don't have a belt. And if I can make my legs short, they won't see I've got white socks on. And he's standing at the tee, about to head off. And the other guys are, are looking and they're saying, wow, what on earth happened to him, man? It's terrible. I thought, he, I thought he was a good golfer. And the other guy says, I don't know what's happened to him, but gee, he's well dressed, isn't he? <laughs> That's not a true story. <laughs> the verse that we're using is from Luke 24:49. Jesus said, I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. The idea, the picture is of Jesus saying, there's a dress code. There's, a, there's certain things you must wear to do my ministry. And by the way, it's not a suit and a tie. It's not a dog collar. Amen? Amen. It's not a funny religious sounding voice. It's none of that stuff. There's something we're supposed to have from God. And we need to find out what it is. And my sermon today is very simple. It's that the early church understood something. There was a four-part clothing system that they got when they became Christians and nowadays many of us as Christians either haven't got all four or we've got them in little confused mixed up ways and as a result we don't have the power that they had at the early church. I wonder if you would agree with that. Let me just give you a bit of a history lesson before we start. You know the early church started and they were growing so fast that they were just changing the whole world even though it was illegal to be a Christian in the early days in the first few centuries of Christianity you could be killed for being a Christian and yet Christianity was just expanding so powerfully and so quickly that the whole of the Roman Empire was being affected it went from a few 120 on the day of Pentecost to multiplied thousands millions and they started changing the world because they had something that we need they had these four elements. I believe this is crucial. The way they got saved, the normal Christian birth consisted of these four things. And then over time throughout history, you know what we as humans are like? We like to codify and, and we make a system out of something that's supposed to be organic and full of life and supernatural. We try and put it into rules and systems and traditions and books and lists and codes. And that's what happened. And so the church kind of had the form of all these things but it had lost all the power 
And over the centuries, God has been restoring to the church bits that we missed from those early days. And so in the 1500s, Martin Luther came along and he said, it's by grace, it's not by works. You just have to believe in the grace and what Jesus has done. And, and there was a reformation. The church was dramatically changed and new life came in. And then baptism. You know, they'd forgotten about baptizing people. This word baptized is so important. It was it's one of the four. It was the sign of getting born again, was this getting plunged under water, and it was a sign of being plunged into the Holy Spirit, plunged into Jesus, plunged into the kingdom of God, plunged into the body of Christ, and then getting the, the power of God in us that was all part of baptism. That had been forgotten, and it, was just, it had just become a little sprinkle on a child's forehead, and the whole power had been lost. And then it got revived. The Anabaptists and various others came along. And suddenly there was this whole movement of people who, who started talking about um, baptism. And interestingly enough, all of these things that were restored to the church, the people who discovered them made a denomination out of them. So you've got the Lutherans. And you've got the Baptists. And you've got the Pentecostals. You know, I, I'm a Pentecostal by background, so I want to just tell you a bit about what happened. So, for many centuries, there were little pockets of miraculous power, but by and large, the Christian church knew nothing of the miracles and the power that was in the book of Acts. And then in 1900, there was a man called Charles Fox Parham in America, in a place called Topeka, Kansas, who got together a few people and they prayed and they fasted and they studied and they cried out to God for weeks upon weeks, praying, God, would you restore the miraculous to us? Because they believed, after reading the book of Acts and the Bible, that when a person got baptized in the Holy Spirit, there was the evidence of miraculous speaking in other languages. And they said, we're not seeing this. And they fasted and they cried and they prayed. And on New Year's Eve, December the 31st, 1900, they were in a prayer meeting. And they were praying and, and really those guys were serious about seeking the Lord. And there was a lady called Agnes Osman who was there. And just sometime after midnight on that New Year's Eve, uh, December the 31st, 1900, so it would have been January the 1st, 1901, she went up to Charles Fox Parham and she said, please would you lay hands on me to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and to be able to have this miraculous gift of tongues. And bear in mind, nobody had it. I mean, it was unheard of. They've been seeking it and crying out for it. And he prayed, and he said, it's interesting, I read the quote, he said, Scarcely had I finished saying three dozen sentences. Three dozen is 36 sentences. That's a lot of sentences. He said, scarcely had I said three dozen sentences, which just shows the way they prayed in those days. It was long, verbose prayers. Oh, our Lord, we beseech thee. I mean, they went on and on. Scarcely had I finished saying 36 long sentences, and she started speaking in another language. And she couldn't speak in English for three days. And even when she wrote, she wrote Chinese. I mean, it was really amazing, this lady. Anyway, she was the only one. And people started saying, wow. And they came to Agnes Osman. They said, what's so special about you? She says, I'm nothing special. I'm just a lady. Anyway, news of this spread. And it was a bit like a spark had just been lit. And a few people traveled around 
and people traveled from Topeka, Kansas, and some of them went to other parts of America, and there was a, a man called William Seymour, who was a black man, a son of slaves. He only had one eye. He was uneducated, and because of the segregation in America, he wasn't even allowed into the church meetings to hear people preaching about getting baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of miraculous languages. And so he would sit outside the door listening. And in 1906, he went to a place called Azusa Street in Los Angeles. So this is now about five years after Agnes Osman. And he started in a little house called the Bonnie Bray House in April 1906. He started teaching people, even though he himself had not been baptized in the Spirit, he hadn't started speaking in tongues, he started teaching, you can be filled with the Spirit, and that just like in the book of Acts, you can start speaking in another language. And on April, I believe it was April the 6th, let me just check my dates, April the 9th, 1906, it happened in this little house, Bonnie Bray, in Los Angeles. Somebody started speaking in tongues. And the word of it spread so that within five days, there were so many people crammed into Bonnie Bray House that the, the porch collapsed. And they had to rent a, a, an unused building on Azusa Street. And on April the 14th, they started meeting there and it just broke out. I mean, the crowds packed into this place. It was not much bigger than this room, but they fitted 1,300 people into it every day. And the Holy Spirit's power was so evident there that people started coming from all over the world to get filled with the Holy Spirit and this speaking in tongues started. And they estimate that in the three years that those meetings were going on, 50,000 people came to Azusa Street and got filled with the Holy Spirit and started speaking in tongues. And it was the restoration of something that had been there in the Bible times, but had been pretty much absent for 19 centuries, or maybe a little less than that. But for hundreds of years, people had been going through the motions. They'd been unclothed. They didn't have everything they needed for ministry, and yet they'd been going through the motions of Christianity without this power and it broke out. And I just love the fact that it was in, an, in, the, in the ministry of an uneducated man who was a son of slaves, who had one eye, and he was not a great... There was nothing humanly powerful about him, William Seymour. And God used him and used all the people who came. Most of them were just, you know, the, the educated and the important people would come and say, wow, these are just uneducated people, and yet the power of God was there. Praise God. And so from 1906 it began. And historians will tell you that now the number of people who um, trace their Christian heritage back to Azusa Street, it's by far the biggest section of Christianity and by far the, the quickest growing part of Christianity. Those who call themselves Pentecostals or Charismatics you know, most of the Christian world, the traditional Christian denominations are in decline. But the Pentecostal section of Christianity is growing so fast, so dramatically. In so in 1906, there was a handful of them. 
1970, I, I just got a few of these statistics, which I thought I'd read to you. By 1970, there were 62 million Pentecostals, which made up 1.7% of the world's population. So it had gone in, in 60, 60 odd years, 65 years, that it had multiplied to all over the world and millions and millions of people called themselves Pentecostals. It was by 1970, it was 5% of all the Christians, including everyone who calls himself a Christian, 5% would call themselves Pentecostals. So 1970, it was that. By 2010, it had grown to 583 million, from 62 million to 583 million. That's about 20% growth per year. Remembering most denominations are in decline every year. Pentecostals are growing by 20% a year. And in 2010, that was over 8% of the world's population called themselves Pentecostals. One in every four Christians calls themselves a Pentecostal. And if it carries on at this rate, it's going to be even more. So what are the four elements? What are the four pieces of clothing that we need? I'm going to say them to you, and they will be familiar to you, but I think the problem is we haven't learned how to put them on. And in the early church, in the book of Acts, it was one event, getting born again or getting saved. All four of these elements were included in one event. Sometimes they were separated by a few days, and I'll read you a few of the stories today. But essentially, the idea, the, the ideal was that you get all four at once, and it was one event, and it was salvation. Today, what happens is we split them out, and some people have got two out of the four, some have got one, and then years later, they get the other one, and then the other one. So what are the four? I wonder if you can guess. Number one was believe. Number two is repent. Number three is get baptized. Number four is get filled with the Holy Spirit. Those four things happened all at once when a person got saved. So in Acts chapter 2, just after Pentecost, you remember the 120 Christians were gathered together. The beginning of Acts chapter 2 says, suddenly the place where they were meeting was filled with the sound like a violent rushing wind. And then tongues of flame seemed to come down and they all started speaking. All of them started speaking with other languages. People from all around were, were attracted to the noise. They came and they heard them speaking all these different languages. They said, what's going on? Are they drunk? And Peter stood up, he said, no, no, this is what was prophesied in the book of Joel in the last days. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. All of your sons and daughters will prophesy. This is it. He says these tongues are actually prophecy. It's a sign of being filled with the Spirit. And then he tells them about Jesus, how they crucified Him. But God raised Him from the dead and poured His Spirit on Jesus, who poured it out on the church. And this is a sign that Jesus has been made the King. Remember the oil poured on the head was what they did to anoint a king. They're saying, this is a sign. There's a new king. A new kingdom has come. Jesus is the king. The devil has been kicked out. You've got to make him king. And he's the Messiah. And in Acts 2 verse 37, it says, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? What would we say today? Imagine I gave a really good sermon. Just a, I know it's hard to imagine, but... And you guys all shouted out, Greg and brethren, 
Craig and Broadwin, <laughs> Craig and James, and the, what shall we do? What would I say? Sign a form. Become a member. Come to the front. Lift your hand. Bow your head. Repeat after me. What would we do? These are things we do, isn't it? What does it mean today to be a Christian? I'm asking you this. What does it mean today? If somebody says, what is a Christian? What do you say to them? Is it someone who's a member of a church? Is it someone who's been confirmed and christened and gone through certain uh, rituals? Is it someone who's raised their hand in a meeting and prayed a prayer? Is it someone who's been baptized? What is it? Is it someone who believes in Jesus? And, and what does believe in Jesus even mean? Is that just a mental ascent? Yes, I believe Jesus existed. Is it being part of a Christian family or a Christian country or a Christian community? Is it attending church every Sunday? What is it? There were four things in the early church. The first is believe, and we know that they already believed because they were cut to the heart. And they said, what must we do? So the belief is already there. But listen to what Peter says. Acts 2.38. Peter said to them, repent. Be baptized in the name of Jesus. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So you add believe at the beginning of that. Believe. Repent. Be baptized. Get filled with the Spirit. And so for them, what they understood that to mean was, I am now getting put into this kingdom of God. Jesus is the king. He's poured out a spirit. As I get baptized, remember baptized means dunked under and immersed and submerged and filled with and completely overwhelmed with. As I get baptized in water, it's a picture of me getting put into Jesus, into his kingdom. He's now my king. I'm not the king anymore. I repent of when I used to do my own thing or follow the devil. I kick out the old king, the devil, and I get covered in Jesus, and I get filled with the Spirit, and the evidence, he says, you'll receive the Spirit just like we have, in other words, speaking in tongues. That was becoming a Christian. Believe, Jesus has died for me, and he's the king. Repent means I turn away from my old sin. Get baptized, submerged, dunked. Means I, it's a picture of getting put into the kingdom and get filled with the Spirit and speak in tongues. That happened to every Christian in the Bible when they became a Christian. What happens today? Please would you, please would you consider Jesus and, and maybe just come to our church every Sunday. And I just hope that you learn and study and eventually you cross the line of faith and believe maybe. Repent? Mm, we hardly ever say that. Repent. Get rid of the old sin. Well, we might say it now and again, but then quite a few people complain about the sermon. It's too harsh. We want a nice lovey-dovey Christianity. Repent. You can't get in here without repenting. You mean kick out the old life? You mean if I don't kick out the old life, I'm not really saved? Yes, that's what I mean. Repent. Get baptized. Well, I was done as a baby. I kind of, maybe I'll do it. Maybe. Get filled with the Holy Spirit. Do we really? Well, maybe. In this church, hopefully we do. But it's often separated by months or years. It's often partial. We only believe a bit. We repent a bit. <laughs> 
We get filled with the Spirit, but then we hardly ever use the gifts of the Spirit. You know what I mean? And as a result, we're a partial Christian. Are we going to heaven? I believe most of us are going to heaven. But we're missing out on all the good stuff. You know, a person can survive without a full meal every day. You can go to hospital. If you, if you have an injury and you go to hospital and you can't eat by mouth, there's a little sign, they say nil by mouth, and what they do is they put a tube either through your nostril or into your arm, and they feed you the nutrients that you need to stay alive. Don't they? I know some of us have been in hospital recently. I've visited a couple of you, and I've seen that kind of thing happening. You can stay alive with just the minimum nutrients, but how many of us agree that's not as nice as having a proper roast beef lunch? There's some good stuff in a meal, and it's nice to eat and taste and chew and enjoy. You can get by as a Christian with a little bit of belief. I want to say to you that if you haven't been baptized, if you haven't been filled with the Spirit, and if you've only repented partially, there's a good chance, as long as you believe, you can, get, you can scrape through and climb over just into heaven. Because believing that Jesus died for your sins is the minimum. But how sad is it that we've preached the minimum as the whole thing? Isn't that true? Okay, let me read you a couple of these other stories. So, Acts chapter 2 we've seen. What about Acts chapter 8? Philip goes to Samaria, and it says in verse 12, When they believed Philip as he preached the things... Okay, believed, do you see that one? Guys, did you see that one? Yes, Great. When they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. You see that one? Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money. Holy Spirit. So the only one that's not mentioned in this story is... Repent. You see that? It's not mentioned. But that doesn't mean it didn't happen. It's just not mentioned. Acts chapter 10. Oh, by the way, in the Samaria story, did you notice that they believed and they got baptized in water, but there was a delay? I don't know how long it took um, Peter and John to come from Jerusalem to pray. It could have been several days. I don't know. But there was a delay. Do you see that? And how many of us can relate to the fact that often we got saved and even baptized in water, but there was a delay before we got filled with the Spirit? I was like that. Anyone else? Lots of us. That doesn't mean, it doesn't mean it's a disaster as long as we put it right. Amen? And that's what they did. See, Philip saw that they hadn't been filled with the Spirit. How did he see? Well, because they hadn't spoken in tongues yet. It was obvious. It's not a, a weird theory. It's either you have or you haven't. And they hadn't. So he said, I better call uh, Peter and John to come and help me. Is everyone okay with that? All right, let's move on. Acts chapter 10, verse 43. Peter goes to a man called Cornelius' house. 
Verse 43, Peter is preaching and he's saying, To him all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. Believes. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. Holy Spirit baptized. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured on the Gentiles also, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they asked him to stay a few days. Which one was missing? Repent in that one. But I believe they did repent. But anyway, it's interesting that they believed they got filled with the Spirit, but they hadn't been baptized in water. And Peter says, well, we might as well just do that. Because look, they've already been filled with the Spirit. It's obvious that they, let's baptize them with water now. Last one, Acts chapter 19. I think I better give you a little bit of background about this one. Let's go back to Acts chapter 18. Verse 24, now a certain man named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord, or other versions say the things about Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. So he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside and explained the way of God to him more accurately. So this man called Apollos comes to Ephesus. He's preaching. He's a fiery preacher. He's fervent. He understands the Bible well. He understands about Jesus well. He teaches accurately, it says, about Jesus. So he taught about Jesus dying on the cross. But he had only been baptized by John the Baptist. Okay? Now, a few verses later, Acts 19, verse 1. And it happened while Apollos went to Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them, listen to the first thing Paul says to the Christians when he meets them. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Why would he say that? Because it's one of the four. If you haven't got it, you're missing something. You're not properly clothed. Don't leave the city until you're clothed. Get, get it right. So Paul meets these guys. I don't know why he felt to ask them the question. Maybe because they were a little bit religious, traditional, boring Christians. He says, so did you guys receive the Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Paul is shocked. Listen to his next question. Into what then were you baptized? Because when you get baptized properly, you understand that you're getting plunged into the Holy Spirit and you're going to be filled with the Spirit. If, you, if baptism is explained properly to you, if it's not just a silly ritual, you understand this is me getting put into God, into His Spirit, and I get filled with the Spirit and I'm going to start speaking tongues. They hadn't even heard there was a Spirit. He says, well, what kind of a baptism did you guys get? I may ask the same question to many Christians today. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Uh, I think so. What? Well, how were you baptized then? Well, I kind of got sprinkled when I was six months old. 
Into what then were you baptized? So they said, into John's baptism. Oh, now we realize they had been taught by Apollos. You see, he had taught about Jesus accurately, but he didn't understand the four things. He didn't understand about baptism into Jesus because John the Baptist's baptism was just like a, a part baptism. Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is in Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So Paul says, you've, you've had a partial baptism in the past. You haven't understood it properly. Let's do you properly. Let's baptize you into Jesus, not just a, a traditional religious thing. Let's put you into the kingdom of God. Were they Christians before that? I think they were. Because remember at the beginning, Paul says, it says he found some disciples and he said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they had believed. He had checked out that they knew about Jesus and they did. They were Christians. They had a little bit of the four clothing parts and they were going to get to heaven. But he said, it's not enough. Let's get you properly fixed up. And so he baptizes them again. This time, they know why they're getting baptized. This is a picture of me washing away my sins, getting put into the kingdom of God. There's a new king. I repent of get rid of the old. Although because of John the Baptist's baptism, they probably understood repent. But now you're going to get filled with the Spirit. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus and when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now the men were about 12 in all. Folks, I'm going to speak some more over the coming weeks about this, because I think it's an important topic. So we're going to look at getting filled with the Holy Spirit. We're going to look at all these different things. But I just want to say to you, the good news is, you don't have to wait you don't have to fast and pray and tarry and go to a faraway place and go to a religious leader and do all these things to get the four aspects. It's available. It's freely available. You can believe in Jesus today. What does it mean, you say, to believe? It means I believe that when Jesus died on the cross, he paid for all of my sins. He became the king. He deposed the devil king. And now if I make him king, he, I get forgiven of all my sins. You can believe in that today. Just believe in that. You can repent today. That means I put aside the old. I don't just add Christ to a whole lot of stuff that's in my life. I chuck out the old that's wrong. I say that was wrong and I'm turning away from it. You can do that today. You can be baptized in water. We're doing it in two weeks' time. And if you want to do it today, we can do it today. We can do it any time you want. And you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2, verse 4. I'm going to close with this. Maybe I could ask the worship team to come up. Acts chapter 2, verse 4. It's talking about Pentecost. In fact, shall we stand together? Let's, let's worship together. I'm just going to read this verse, and then after we've sung a song, I'll, I'll explain it a bit more. It says, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. There are three parts to that verse. It says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. One, that's God filling you with the Spirit. Number two, they began to speak. That's them 
using their tongue and their vocal cords to speak. Number three, as the Spirit gave them utterance. You know, in the old days, 1900s, 1906, people thought it was such a weird thing to get filled with the Spirit and to speak in tongues. Today, it happens on a daily basis. Millions upon millions, every day, thousands of Christians get filled with the Spirit, and you can be filled with the Spirit, even today. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.